0: and teach you how to experience God's best in every area of your life.
1: Well, this evening we're going to pick up right where Pastor left off last Wednesday evening. And we're dealing with fellowship and our fellowship with God and our fellowship with Him through His Word and fellowship with Him in prayer. And every believer, every Christian, whether a new believer, someone who's been a believer a long time, every believer should enjoy sweet fellowship with Father God. Our time with the Lord should be a blessing, not a burden. It should be a joy. And this is so important because, as we've learned, fellowship is the parent of faith. Fellowship, time spent in the Word, time spent in prayer, it enables us to grow, it enables us to mature, it enables us to build ourselves up in the Lord, be strong in the Lord. It's the parent of faith. It makes it possible for us to believe God and exercise faith and receive answers to prayer so fellowship is everything and this is why weak faith is the result of broken fellowship or weak faith it is the result of low quality fellowship. When people don't spend time with the Lord in prayer when people don't spend time in the word they're weak in faith and they have trouble believing God They have trouble believing his word and standing on his word. They have trouble fighting the fight of faith. And Satan, he wants Christians to be weak so they won't have answers to prayer. So they get pushed around and go about blaming God for their circumstances. What feeds our faith? Fellowship with God through his word feeds our faith and time spent in prayer feeds our faith. Fellowship with God through his word And time spent in prayer, these are the two things that feed our faith. And this is why we're to build both into our lives daily and consistently. Time spent in prayer and time spent in the Word. And as we begin the new year, what better opportunity to develop a more consistent pattern in your life. Time spent in the Word and time spent in prayer. And as pastors mentioned the last few weeks, you have to just figure out what works for you. Some people work during the day, some people work at night, some people work during the day one week, they work at night the next week. So you have to come up with a pattern, a consistent pattern that works for you. And it's easy to get into guilt and condemnation, or it's easy to set some great, big, ridiculous goal that you do for a day or two, and then you go back to your previous pattern, which is very little time in the Word and very little time in prayer. And that's why when we talk about prayer, we encourage you to get started, whether it's 10 minutes in the word or 10 minutes in prayer, to be consistent and then to increase that time. 20 minutes in the word, 20 minutes in prayer. Be consistent, increase that time. 30 minutes in the word, 30 minutes in prayer. And what we have to be careful of as ministers is not putting our burdens on you. That's what Jesus said to the religious leaders. They like to put burdens on people's backs they cannot carry. You know, I remember being a young man and hearing ministers talk about how many hours they spend in prayer. Well, those are people in full-time ministry. And so I believe everybody's busy, got a job, amen? amen. Or owns a business, productive, amen? amen? Being productive with the work of your hands. You have a family, have children, have obligations. And so in your life, in your schedule, you gotta carve out time with the Lord. The morning, the evening. And as pastor said last Wednesday evening, we all have the time. We just might have to borrow the time from Facebook or borrow the time from Netflix or borrow the time from football or whatever it is. We all have the time. We all have the time. So what feeds our faith? Fellowship with God through his word and time spent in prayer. And Christians often have weak faith because they have no fellowship with God through his word, and through prayer. And they're not consistent in being in church. They're not consistent in the word. They're not consistent in prayer. And that's why they go from one circumstance to the next. They go from one need to the next. They go from one emergency to the next. There's no need for broken fellowship. There's no need for poor fellowship. There's no need for broken fellowship or a lack of confidence when you pray. And this is why Satan wants to lead people to the place where they're convinced, they're, they're led to believe and they live accordingly that it doesn't matter how we live. Now, see, that's a lie. But out there in the Christian world in America, there are people of the mindset and I know they're of the mindset because it's evidenced by their life that they've been convinced by someone. Church, preacher that they, they've been convinced that it doesn't matter what we do. That our actions don't matter, that it doesn't matter how we live, that we can we can live in continuous, ongoing, unrepentant sin. And that's a lie of the enemy. That's a lie of Satan. Now, why does he do that? Why does he lead people down that road? He wants us to lack confidence when we pray. And if we lack confidence when we pray, we're not going to pray in faith. Well, if we don't pray in faith, we're not going to get any answers. And we'll be defeated, we'll be weak. We'll struggle, and none of that's necessary because Paul tells us that Christ wants to lead us from victory to victory in triumphal procession. 1 John 3, verse 21, Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, why are there believers and their hearts condemn them? Because they're not living the way they know they should live. Whether they've been saved six months or a year or two years, whatever knowledge of the Word of God that they do have, they know in their heart that there are things in their life that are displeasing to God. And maybe a preacher, maybe someone has convinced them it's okay. But their heart condemns them, and this affects prayer. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence. So when believers lack confidence, one of the major reasons is their heart condemns them. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from Him anything we ask because we obey His commands and we do what pleases Him. Because we obey His commands and we do what pleases Him. Because we obey His commands and we do what pleases Him. Him. So it does matter what we do. It does matter how we live. It does matter that we obey the commands of God. And when you're doing your part, living the way you know you ought to live, living a life pleasing before the Lord you're going to have confidence. Your heart won't condemn you and then when you go to the Father you'll have confidence when you pray. 1 John 5 beginning in verse 14 this is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to His will He hears us and if we know that He hears us whatever we ask we know that we have what we have asked of Him. So there's no need for broken fellowship. There's no need and there's no reason to have a lack of confidence when you pray. Go turn in your Bible to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. Now Jesus said we're to be careful how we listen. And if you listen to Pastor, you'll know that he, he's careful about what he listens to. He just doesn't listen to everything and anyone. And there are things out there, teachers out there, wonderful, helpful, blessing, but we have to be careful how we, we listen. Now People can get into guilt and condemnation, they can get into legalism, and so it's important that we understand the grace of God, that we are made righteous in Christ, that that is credited to our account. But again, there are those out there, they're popular, and they're popular for a reason, they lead people to believe that it doesn't matter what we do. It doesn't matter how we live. And one of these very famous, popular people, they, they actually teach, and it's wrong, it's erroneous. They, they teach that we never need to confess our sins. And I've heard him, and he'll, he'll say things like, First John wasn't written to believers. That's nonsense. There's not a single church historian or theologian in 2,000 years of church history conservative or liberal, who would agree with him. And that's why his pastor says it's important to go to school. Amen? Amen? And so John, he wrote to believers. And he wrote to believers when he said, 1 John 1, verse 8, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Verse 9, but if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and, and purify us from all unrighteousness. What better way to start the new year than to just deal with what needs to be dealt with, to repent of what needs to be repented of, to get whatever it is behind you and to move forward in faith and to move forward in victory and to not struggle with it anymore so your heart no longer condemns you so you have confidence when you pray. This scripture was not written to the world. 1 John 1.9 was written to the church. To the family of God. And it has to do with broken fellowship. The very instant that you confess your sins, that very instant, our Heavenly Father is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. 1 John 2, beginning in verse 1. My dear children, I write this to you so you will not sin. That is the goal. There are so many lies out there. One of the lies out there is that all sin is the same. That's just nonsense. Anybody that has been to court understands that that is, that that is a lie. That's one of the lies that's out there is that all sin is the same. Another lie that is out there is that, well, we, we just all sin all the time, and that's just the level at which we're supposed to live till we go to be with the Lord in heaven. That is nonsense. What is the goal? I write this to you so you will not sin. Paul talked about the fact that we aim for perfection. Now if any of us said, well I'm perfect, well would that be arrogant. But we are uh, perfect in Christ. Amen. Amen. We're the righteousness of God in Christ. The goal, we, we aim for perfection. We ought to be making progress. We ought to be growing. We ought to be maturing the goal is not to sin i write this to you so you will not sin but if anyone does sin we have one who speaks to the father in our defense jesus christ the righteous one he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not only for ours but also for the sins of the whole world we know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands there it is again the man who says i know him but does not do what he commands is a liar and the truth is not in him But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. And this is how we know that we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. So he is our advocate, and he is always righteous, and he can always plead our case on our behalf. He's our advocate, Hebrews tells us. He is our intercessor, he is our defense. And so the instant you ask the Father's forgiveness, Jesus takes your case before the Father and your fellowship is restored. Now you may not feel like it. That's why we don't walk by how we feel. We walk by faith. And there are times when we feel super spiritual and in the good way, amen. But you can't walk by how you feel. You have to walk by faith and have to walk by the word. And if you've confessed it, it's forgiven, it's handled, it's taken care of. you got to move forward in faith and do what's right from that moment forward. The Bible tells us that our sins are separated from us as far as the east is from the west, that they are remitted, that they are canceled out. Now, somebody you may know from the past, they may remember, they may remind you all the time, but as far as God is concerned, it has been handled, it has been dealt with. So you got to move forward in faith and live accordingly there's no need to walk in broken fellowship there's no need for it and it's so important to understand who you are in Christ all that is available to you so we live a life of confidence in relationship and fellowship with our heavenly father I'd encourage you to read Hebrews we're to boldly enter his throne room boldly with confidence And someone might say, Austin, because of this and that, I don't feel like I can. Confess it. Deal with it. Repent of it. Turn from it. And then enjoy fellowship, sweet fellowship, and enter his throne room with boldness and with confidence. That's the level at which we're to live. Not not afraid in a negative sense. Not feeling as if we're not worthy or qualified. He made us worthy. Jesus, by what he did on our behalf, he, he qualified us. And so we ought to walk in it. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. In chapter 2 again, verse 1, my dear children, I write this to you so you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Restored fellowship brings about joy. Now, when a believer is sad and miserable and and scowls and is bitter and angry and all of that, you know they're not living a life of continuous, ongoing fellowship with Father God. In the Word and in prayer, restored fellowship produces joy. Restored fellowship results in restored power. But as we've been learning, this requires quality time spent in the Word and quality time spent in prayer. Rich fellowship, rich, vibrant, vital, living fellowship requires quality of time spent in the Word of God. And as we've learned, there's no fellowship without quality time. And quality of time requires quantity of time. You heard Pastor say last few weeks, two minutes don't count. (laughs) Quality time requires a quantity of time. Now again, we can get into guilt or condemnation, but again, it's, it's a new year. It's an opportunity to be more consistent, to be more faithful in whatever the time has been to increase that time. To increase that time that you spend on an average daily basis in the Word and in prayer, to be consistent, and then to increase that time and to be consistent. And there's all kinds of time that we have that we can spend in fellowship instead of doing other things. You know, there were times, and remember being a young guy driving over to TCU? Spent a lot of time in the car in those years, North Arlington to Fort Worth, and then. When I began dating Jessica, her family at that time lived in South Arlington, so most days i drive from North Arlington, Fort Worth, back to North Arlington to be at the church, that area, then to South Arlington, then back to North Arlington, a lot of time in the car. Well, wherever you go, whatever your commute is, you can use your time in the car productively. And you don't have to waste your time listening to talk radio. It is not edifying or sports radio whatever it is and you might say well I listen to faithful sermons that's great more power to you but you can also use that time in prayer you can also use that time in fellowship and you know people are on their phones anyway they're using bluetooth headsets doing all that they're doing in their car so don't feel bad about praying in your car or as Jude said building your faith up praying in the Holy Spirit in your car. They don't know what, you know, when they look over, if you got your windows tinted, they don't know what language you're speaking in. They don't know you're praying in tongues. Go for it. But when we have time that we're, the time is passing, well, we can use that time for fellowship, sweet fellowship with Father God. You're exercising, working out, walking. You know, now if you're, you're running fast, you may not be able to pray. But if you're, you know, walking and doing things, you might be able to pray. Fellowship. There's all kinds of time that we have that we can fellowship during that time. Fellowship, rich fellowship requires a quality of time, which necessitates a quantity of time. Joshua 1 8 is the success formula that God gave Joshua. This book of the law, or my word, shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it how often Well, what about when somebody's just in church once or twice a month what about when somebody cracks their bible open and reads a proverb a month they meditating on the word day and night Well, that's why they have the results that they have this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it for then you will make your way. I love the New King James. You will make your way. You will make your life prosperous. And then you will have good success. See, for many believers, the pattern is not really living an overcoming life. They got pets in their life. Pet people and pet sins. So their heart condemns them. So they lack confidence. And they're reluctant then to spend time in fellowship. So they're not consistent in church. They're not consistent in time in the word. They're not consistent in time in prayer. So prayer is not answered in their life. Instead of overcoming circumstances, they're being kicked around by circumstances going from defeat to defeat. But that is not God's best. And what God told Joshua is by what we do, we can make our way prosperous, and we can have good success. But in the family of God, there's a way to get there, and that's by meditating on the word how often? Amen. Day and night, which, is, which means all the time. So praise God, you spent time in the word and in prayer last week, good for you. Now you have to do that this week, amen, amen. and this month. Psalm 1, beginning in verse 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. So it's not just spending time in the Word. It is a quality of time, enjoying it, looking forward to it. Not just doing it to check off that you did the daily Bible reading. but but approaching it the way Dietrich Bonhoeffer taught the students he trained for pastoral ministry. What is God saying to me here and now? What is God saying to me today? Well, see, when you approach it that way, you're approaching it as if it is his living word, and it is a living word, and in his word, he speaks to us, and so we ought to delight in it. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Psalm 19, beginning in verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. Well, Austin, you know, I like these parts over here. I like the New Testament, but there there are these other parts I don't like. Mm -hmm. The law of the Lord is perfect, Mm -hmm. reviving the soul. Do you know you can learn things reading Leviticus? Now, if you're a new believer, I wouldn't start in Leviticus. But we, we can learn and we can grow and we can get answers in any book of the Bible, Amen. Old Testament or New Testament. Amen. And as the New Testament tells us, the, the saints in the Old Testament, they are examples unto us, things to do, things not to do. But if you really don't want to understand why there, there is so much screwed up in the body of Christ today. You know, in seminary, one of the things uh, one or two preaching professors tried to drill into us is that you shouldn't go to an Old Testament story, look at events that happen and moralize from it, meaning do this or don't do that. that. That's nonsense. And this is part of why the culture in America is wrecked, and this is part of why even when maybe someone grows up and they don't have a good mom or dad who teach them certain things, they still don't even learn those things at church. You know, Samson is prime example, number one, of a whole lot of things not to do. He was under the law. He was a Nazarite, a Nazarene. And he was a compromiser from the beginning when he took that honey from the lion's carcass and ate it. And some of them might say, oh, Austin, that's not a big deal. He was a compromiser from the beginning. And it led to disaster. And he did a lot of great things, but he could have done greater. So the law of the Lord, all of it, old and new, it is perfect there is great reward. By them your servant is warned. You do these things, head down this road, there's trouble, there's disaster, there's judgment, there's punishment. If you head down this road, there is a great reward. And I'm just an old-fashioned, simple guy. I want to know what to do, and I want to know what not to do to walk in the blessings of God. By them is your servant warned. In keeping them there is great reward. Psalm 119, verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. Psalm 119, verse 11. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I love that. But how can we say that is true in our lives if we don't spend time in the word? Or if we only spend time in the word once a month. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you verse 97 here in psalm 119 oh how i love your law i meditate on it all day long oh how i love your law i meditate on it all day long verse 105 your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path and when there are believers in there they're constantly stumbling This problem, that problem, this circumstance, that circumstance, they're not spending time in the word. Your word, it is a lamp to my feet, a light for my path. When you spend regular fellowship time and prayer in the word, that will illuminate your life. It will illuminate the circumstances. You'll have wisdom, what to do, what not to do. Wisdom, how to handle that situation. Wisdom, what to say. His word, it is a light, it is a lamp unto our feet. Then Jesus, when he responded to Satan, when he was tempted, Jesus quoted Deuteronomy 8 and verse 3. In Matthew 4 and verse 4, Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So we ought to live on his word. Our diet, and the most important thing in our diet should be his word. We ought to feed upon his word. And again, I know that there are places that you eat to make a family member happy. You don't look forward to it. Well, that's not how we should treat the word of God. We should delight in it. We should look forward to it. And again, this is why for new believers, we recommend that, of course, someone start in the gospels, say Mark, it's the shortest but that someone reads Paul's epistles to understand the new covenant and to understand who they are in Christ. And if you're doing the daily Bible reading, you notice we start out the new year in the Gospels. Matthew. Now in the Gospel of Mark. Reading the Gospels is what changed Oral Roberts' life. Yes, he fasted. Yes, he prayed. But as he set aside time to do that, pastored a little church in Enid, Oklahoma, during that time He he read the Gospels again and again and again. It changed his life. So we ought to delight in his word. And we, we can learn something from all of it. And all of it can help us. All of it can teach us. All of it can help us to grow and to mature. So rich fellowship requires a quality of time spent in prayer and spent in the word. And that requires a quantity of time. Someone might act super spiritual, but if they don't spend much time in the word, and if God's word does not govern their life and conduct, then they're a fraud. They're they're, they're full of it. Time in the word. Time in prayer. And if we're spending time in the word and time in prayer, his word will be a lamp, a light unto our lives. It'll govern our lives. What we say, what we do. Deep, rich fellowship requires going far below the surface and mining the Word of God and mining the wisdom of the Word for your life. This life, walking with the Lord, it requires fellowship. Walking by faith and not by sight, it requires fellowship. Walking in love requires fellowship. Walking in love should be something that we're all working on. Well, to not be discouraged and quit on walking in love, you got to spend time with the Father in prayer. you got to spend time in the Word to be encouraged, to forgive, even when you don't feel like forgiving. Well, how many times, Jesus? <laughs> That's why we keep going back to the Word. Amen. To be challenged, we can do it. To walk in love is to walk in fellowship. It is to abide. To live a life of love is to live a life of fellowship fellowship with God through his word and in prayer fellowship with the father brings joy to him but it also brings joy to us there's nothing sweeter and more precious than this fellowship John 15 beginning in verse 7 I'm going to read it out of the King James if you abide in me and my words abide in you and remember abide means to live in settle down in remain in dwell in take up residence in if you abide in me and my words abide in you ask what you will and it will be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so I have loved you, continue in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full." Again, why are there believers? and they, they have no joy. They have no countenance. They say they know the Lord. But when you look at their countenance, it's dead. There's no vibrancy coming from within. And that's not what should be because Jesus said if we know him, rivers of living water should come forth from within. Well, when you have a believer and there's no, there's no joy, there's no fellowship. There's no time, quality of time spent with Father God in prayer. There's no quality of time spent in the Word. They only visit His house once or twice a year. You know, if someone told me that they didn't have a good relationship with their parents, I just assume they they hardly ever see their parents. Whatever the reasons, whatever the beef, whatever the complaint, they don't go over much because there's a problem. Well, the same is true of believers, and there's no fellowship. They don't spend time with the Lord. A sad Christian is a Christian who does not fellowship. A joyless Christian is a Christian who does not fellowship. A joyless Christian is a Christian who does not spend time in the Word and time in prayer. You've got to crack the Bible open and read it for yourself got to pray and talk to the Lord and listen to the Lord for yourself. And again, that's why we, we do our best to help with prayer, the cafe, pastor's book of prayer, his confession booklet. That's why we encourage people to personalize and pray the Psalms or Ephesians 1 or Ephesians 2 or Ephesians 3. All of that is to help you. But you just have to do it. It's like we encourage these young people and that they want a girlfriend or they want a boyfriend. Well, you're going to have to talk to somebody. Amen. And you may be nervous and there's this or that. You just got to approach them and talk to them. Well, uh, if you want to fellowship with God, you got to talk to the Lord. And you got to set that time aside. The morning, the evening, or maybe you have a situation We you have a lunch break, you have a quiet place you can go and you you can read your Bible and be left alone you gotta have that time that quality of time a joyless Christian is a Christian who does not spend time with the Father they don't spend time in the Word they don't spend time in prayer fellowship with our Father it is the sweetest the greatest the most wonderful thing any of us can ever know remember when Aaron and I were in Tulsa this was when I was still in college. And Teal Osborne was not in town at that time, but his secretary, who was so kind, showed us his office and Daisy's office. Then they, she showed us their, their prayer chapel. And they weren't there. Daisy has since gone on to be with the Lord, but the presence of God was there. You know, I, I, I could say, like it says in the Old Testament, standing on holy ground. Well, you don't have that without a quality of time, which requires a quantity of time. And of course, you go over somewhere where there's been fighting, there's been bickering, you you can sense it. A born-again person can sense it. Someone that has the spirit of God can sense it. When you go over to someone's house and there have been wrong things going on, The the alarms in here go off. Well, see, when we spend time with him in the word, time with him in prayer, his presence, that fellowship, it fills our life. There is a sweetness to it. There is a joy to it. But sadly, too many believers don't know this fellowship. There can be no growth in faith or in grace or in knowledge or in joy if there is broken fellowship. If there is broken fellowship, everything comes to a grinding halt. And that's why there's no progress made. That's why they're believers and they're, they're stagnant. There's no progress being made. There is broken fellowship. If someone has lost power with God, it happened through a loss of fellowship. If someone has weak faith, they have no prayer life and fellowship has been broken. If a believer has no joy, the, fel- the vessel of their fellowship has been broken. It's dry. It is. It's empty. There's only one way to fill an empty vessel. You've got to do the work. You know, in the ancient world, when they had those large stone jars. It was work to go to the well. It was work to, to fill that up. And yes, prayer should be sweet and joyful and about fellowship, but there is work involved, setting the time aside clocking in, doing it, being faithful, being consistent. Charles Finney would talk about that. He was the preacher of the Second Great Awakening that whenever he began to sense a spiritual dryness, he would carve out the time to be alone with God, to spend time in prayer, to come back to that place of sweet fellowship. This is why in dating and marriage, marriage, we encourage couples that have been married to have still have a date night. If You say the last date you went on was 25 years ago. That's part of the problem. <laughs> got to spend time with each other. Amen. And yes, t- there's time with the kids and there's time not with the kids. Amen. And some of that time needs to be not with the kids. Amen. They're wonderful, but you, you got to have time, just the two of you. If you want your testimony to be rich and full, you have to have fellowship with Father God that is rich and vibrant and full. Now, there are four things that characterize our fellowship with Father God. First, we have to take our place in Christ. We take full advantage of our righteousness and boldly enter into his throne room knowing we enter as the righteousness of God in Christ. So first we have to take our place in Christ. Second, we have to begin bearing the fruit of righteousness. That ought to be evidenced in our lives and what we say and what we do. And we ought to begin doing the works of the kingdom of God, seeing our circumstances change, but seeing the circumstances of people around us change. Third, the third thing that should characterize our fellowship is joy, the fullness of joy. It is joy that makes Christianity the most attractive faith in the world. I mentioned Teal and Daisy Osborne. They were were happy people, joyful people. Get on YouTube, watch some of their documerical crusades, black and white color, a lot of them very old. Wherever they were, they were happy. And they were working hard doing the work of the kingdom of God, but they were happy And they were joyful. Joy makes Christianity the most attractive faith in the world when we have joy. When joy goes, the word loses its power. When joy goes, the church loses its witness. When joy goes, no one wants to become a Christian. A joyless church is impotent, it is powerless. When our fellowship is full, and when we walk in the fullness of our righteousness, then God is honored, then souls are saved when there's joy, when we're, we're alive, when we're, we're happy. That, that's contagious. People want to be around. It's contagious in the good way. Amen. Amen. Got to be careful what you say in 2022. <laughs> but Some believers haven't tested positive for joy in a long time. <laughs> Since we're using that as an example. Amen. You might say, Well, Austin, the, the worship music I listen to makes me sad. You got to change what you're listening to. Amen. Well, we, we should have the joy of the Lord. Amen. We should be happy. Amen. We should be joyful. Amen. And again, you might say, Well, there's this, there's that. There's no need for broken fellowship. Confess it, get the victory, move beyond it, move forward full of faith. Fourth, rich fellowship produces great faith. Paltry fellowship is manifested by a weak, powerless faith. Without rich fellowship, faith never develops in the believer. And again, that's why they're believers and they're not making progress. They're they're stagnant. It's because they're not spending time in the word. They're not spending time in prayer. They're not seeking to learn. They're not seeking to grow. They're not evaluating. Maybe I need to pray differently. Maybe I need to pray more effectively. Maybe what I'm doing is not working. Without rich fellowship faith will never develop in the believer. So we have his word. You got to open it up. You got to read it. You got to study it. You got to meditate upon it. The Bible is as rich and full today as it has ever been. So as we begin the new year, you got to set the time aside. You got to open it up. And again, we we have all of this technology available to us. You know, you can you can use your phone and it can read the Bible reading to you. Now, I'm a big believer in reading it for yourself. Amen. Amen. But again, if you're busy, you're on the go, you can have your, your phone, read it to you. But none of it changes the fact that you, in your life, you've got to get in the Word of God and meditate upon the Word of God and find answers in the Word of God for yourself. It is His Word to us. It is his word to the church, but it is also his living word to you in your life and in your circumstances. So you got to get in the word and you got to read the word. You got to study the word. You got to meditate upon the word. You might be thinking, I'm going to go home and read about Samson. There's a lot to learn from brother Samson and things turned around there at the end, but That is certainly not God's best. But see, believers don't know that. They don't crack their Bible open and read it for themselves. Well, hope tonight was a blessing. Encouragement to you. Hit the pause button there.
0: Thank you for listening to this life-changing message. To partner with us and to help us reach more people with the good news of the gospel, visit our website at faithchristiancenter.com. Your financial support is enabling us to reach more people than ever before. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. If you prayed that simple prayer, you are born again and today is a new beginning. We would like to send you a copy of Dr. Jean Lingerfeld's book, God's Very Own Child. To receive your free copy, call the church office at 817-561-3400 or send an email to info at Remember to put God first in every area of your life because He loves you and has a wonderful plan for you. And don't forget, we walk by faith, not by sight.